Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. My name is Jordan Higgins, and I am a current oncology pharmacy resident at Emory Winship Cancer Institute. I'm also a member of the Leadership Development Advisory Group of the ASHP New Practitioners Forum. With me today are Tanya Smith and Marley Watson. Tanya Smith is a current clinical pharmacist at the Cancer Hospital at the University of Utah, and Marley Watson is a current medical oncology clinical pharmacy specialist at Emory Winship Cancer Institute. Thank you for joining me today, Tanya and Marley. Let's get started talking about today's topic, establishing a clinical practice site. So the first question I had for both of you all is how did you convey the role of the pharmacist to the team? I'll go first. This is Marley. I have to say with conveying the role of the pharmacist to the team is not so much about words, but oftentimes more so about actions. There were definitely uh, introductions in the beginning for the several different clinics that I've been a part of where I had to establish pharmacy services where you introduce yourself and you explain that you are there to provide pharmacy support um, in a more clinical approach than what sometimes others are familiar with in terms of seeing operational versus clinical pharmacy support. So showing your value to the team is important and something that what I found over time is oftentimes I would be very worried of how I'm going to prove myself and prove my worth to the team. But what I have found over time is that opportunities always present themselves and allow you to show that role and what you can offer to the team. Uh, So in my experience, I have utilized those opportunities that have come up to display my unique skill set as a clinical pharmacy specialist to really shine in different scenarios with all different team members from medical assistants to nurses, providers, even schedulers and the pre-certification department. So what what you have to realize is that you were trained and you truly do have a unique skill set. And when the opportunities do arise, doing a good job and putting your best foot forward will be what really conveys the role that you have on that team. This is Tanya. A couple of things that I would add to what Marley said. Both teams that I've been a part of as a, as a new member of the team, I had very upfront conversations with both of those groups. So I went in on the first day and said, here's what I can do. Here's how I can support you. And so I communicated that with them verbally because as clinical pharmacists, we know what we can do. And I, I completely agree with what Marley said. I think so much of conveying your role to a team is, is showing it and not just talking about it, but getting your hands dirty and just jumping in and demonstrating on a daily basis, what you can do to support your team. Thank you both. I think it was really interesting to hear about how you guys have established yourself at your clinical practice site. I mean, you alluded to this a little bit, but how did you develop trust among your colleagues as you were conveying your new role? 
I think that trust comes from a couple of different things. And the, the key to developing trust is consistency over time. I think that you, you have to be there, you know, physically with your team. I know that's been challenging with COVID, but being there physically as much as possible and being visible is really helpful just so that they know your face, they see you, they know that you're there and that you're committed to being there. And then along with that, being present mentally and being engaged in conversations, inserting yourself in conversations or listening in and then offering comments, even if they aren't always asking for your opinion, just saying, hey, I heard I heard y'all talking about this patient. Uh, what do you think about this? And offering other suggestions or recommendations. And I think the hardest part of developing a trusting relationship is that time factor. So trust does take time. And I think it's, it's really a natural result of consistency over time. And I think the way that you can accelerate that is by explaining why you recommend the things that you do. I think with a lot of our recommendations, clinical recommendations, especially that we make with practitioners, we don't know we have to explain why we think something until they realize that they can trust us. And over time, you'll often see that you don't have to explain yourself anymore. A lot of times they'll just take what you say verbatim. Yeah, that's, that's a really good answer, Tanya. I think the only thing I, I would add to that and you practically alluded to it. So through that, through the time that it takes to get to that point, you're also developing relationships with those people you work with. And I think that whenever you take the time to make sure that they know they're viewed as a person and not just their job responsibility, that goes a really long way. So taking a few extra moments to just say hello to someone and smile and be patient with them and try to fully understand their job and their role it really builds respect and value between all of your teammates. And that also um, builds trust in the long run. Thank you. I really liked what you said, Tanya, about trust is really consistency over time and, and ways to do that are being visible and present. And I think, Marley, what you added about getting to know your colleagues as you know more than just a professional, but on a personal level as well, I think can really help speed along that process. So my next question to both of you was, what was one of the biggest challenges you faced when establishing your own practice and how did you overcome these barriers? I'll take this one, Jordan. This is Marley. So I think I learned, I had an opportunity to present itself early on in my career when I was establishing pharmacy services as the first clinical pharmacist in the clinic. Uh, All other pharmacists prior to me had been in the infusion center. So I had to work collaboratively with my uh, nursing colleagues and um, really work on avoiding overstepping and understanding their role from the beginning and understanding my place as well within their clinic. So one example I have is for years and years and years before I arrived, the nurses had always completed chemotherapy counselings. So when I arrived, I sought to better understand their current process and really tried not to necessarily take that process away from them, but try to figure out a way to work collaboratively with them to make it better. And ultimately, what came out of it was a 
pharmacist nursing led clinic where we had our own schedule and patients actually came in after their appointment where they were told they needed chemotherapy. They came in for a separate appointment and were counseled by both the nurse and the pharmacist. This was such a successful program that we actually improved our Prestani scores. Our patients felt like their concerns were heard and addressed prior to starting treatment. It also alleviated the clinic nurses to focus on other clinical needs um, and gave the patient the time they deserved. So that was a successful way of not overstepping, but really utilizing everyone to the top of their license and within their scope to provide the best care to the patient. One thing that Marley just talked about, about working collaboratively really stood out to me. I think when you're starting a new practice site, you're inevitably going to run into situations or relationships where you're doing a a dance almost of trying to figure out, is this my responsibility? Is this somebody else's? Or you take on something that you're very used to doing that people don't realize a pharmacist can do or does in other places. And so I, I like what Marley said about working collaboratively. So working together instead of divided and how you frame that conversation is really, really important uh, just to make sure that you you're doing like what we talked about in the last question about building relationships and just trying to find a solution together, reminding everybody we're all working toward a common goal of taking care of a patient. And one thing I would add to challenges faced, I was in a, a little bit different scenario than Marley. So I did a, a PGY2 in internal medicine. And then my first job out of residency was on an inpatient medical oncology floor. And nowadays, most people who work in that practice area have done a HEMONC PGY2 specialty residency. And so for me, the biggest challenge was learning, learning what a lot of people take an entire year of residency to do. So I joke around that I have been in a PGY3 for five years now learning, learning oncology because I, I had so much to learn and it was a really steep learning curve. And the hardest thing for me was just trying to learn learn everything all at once. I was still in residency mode and wanted to, you know, keep studying and spending time outside of work studying and reading. And I realized very quickly that that was not conducive to having a good quality of life outside of work or at work. And so I had to I had to learn how to learn as I went and not overwhelm myself with trying to do everything all at once that I thought would make me successful in that new role. Thank you. So you talked about trying to sort of establish boundaries as you learned all of the new information at once. And so I'd like to ask, how do you create personal and professional boundaries? So Jordan, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. I think that that boundaries are very simply created in two different ways. So they're, they're created directly or indirectly. So, you know, directly you're verbalizing your verbalizing your boundaries or you, you verbalize them and, or you demonstrate them indirectly by your actions. So one thing that comes up, uh, I work with a lot of medical residents and fellows and they ask questions pretty frequently about what antibiotic do I use to treat this infection? And so instead of thinking about it for themselves first, they often say, you know, on rounds, for example, this, this patient has 
uh, this patient has a urinary tract infection and I want to know what the pharmacist thinks about antibiotic choice. And so I always flip it around. So this would be kind of an indirect way of kind of setting a boundary of, I'm not going to answer your question for you. Uh, you know, what do you think about what antibiotic this patient should be on? Did you look at the culture? Have you looked at an EKG? Have you looked at allergies? And so I think that's a way of indirectly setting boundaries. Whereas sometimes I have to say up front, you know, I'm not going to answer that directly for you because you also need to learn so that you know how to make those decisions in case you're ever at a place that doesn't have a pharmacist. And so that's one example of how, how I set boundaries with, with other people on the team. And in terms of personal boundaries, you know, I think deciding, you have to decide things for yourself, like some things that I've committed to are not checking my email outside of work and always taking the lunch break. So I step away from my desk. If it's just for 15 minutes, I walk away and go somewhere else to eat my lunch. So boundaries do require some reflection and it's a lot of trial and error. So a lot of the boundaries that I would say I have both personally and professionally are from mistakes that I've made or from things that I did, I wish I had done differently. And so boundaries definitely evolve over time as well. That was beautifully put, Tanya. I knew you would have a great answer to that one. Um, I think for me, boundaries are always a work in progress, both professionally and personally. It seems to be an art because you want to be approachable. You want to feel needed by the team, especially as a new practitioner. You, you really want to feel valued. So it's easy for others to start to rely on you for things that maybe are not within your role, um, but something that you can do. You know, as pharmacists, a a lot of times we're problem solvers and people notice that quickly. And what you'll realize is that if you continue to solve problems all the time, you may end up with more on your plate than what you can handle. And that leads to burnout and it leads to it quickly. So really taking a step back, and Tanya already used the word reflection, it's very important to set up times throughout your career to stop, reflect back on what you're doing, what you've established, set those guardrails with your team to help them also understand what all you have on your plate, what's within your scope, what you should be doing to optimize that patient's services. And, you know, if you're adding all these other things on your plate that are really within someone else's scope of practice, it's taking away from you doing a good job to do what you intended to do whenever you have done all this training to get to where you are. So I I do challenge people because this has been a very big struggle for me in my career of just wanting to be a key member of the team, but over committing and really having to to backtrack and reflect of, of what I truly should be working on. And almost five years in, I'm finally making more headway. But, but like Tanya said, it takes a lot of sometimes mistakes for you to learn uh, what's best for you to work on and what's best to also let go. And what Marley said reminded me of something that I, I tell learners that rotate with me is that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should, because there are a lot of things that we can do. And that doesn't mean that you never, you know, you never do certain things. You know, there are times when patient family members come out in the hall and ask for a cup of ice, I'm going to get them a cup of ice. You know, I know that that's, that's not necessarily in my job description, but you know, learning how to say, this is something I will do, or this is something I will not do. This is where I'll make that exception. 
and then knowing that you you are going to be capable of doing so much more than you than you can but that doesn't mean that you always should thank you it's reassuring to hear that for both of you creating these boundaries is an evolving process and all that you've learned through trial and error and having rules but then also having exceptions to the rules i think is is really helpful to hear so what is one piece of advice you would go back and tell yourself as a new practitioner? Um, honestly, my piece of advice, uh, this is Marley, is it's a marathon, not a sprint. There was actually a good review article that came out in 2020 by Onizato and colleagues, and they reported that the two most important attributes when establishing pharmacy services includes motivation and confidence. And it can honestly be easy to become it's easy to become discouraged because you're learning a new environment. You have a lot going on. You feel like you have to prove yourself. You're trying to set guardrails. There, it's just a lot of things going on at once. And so I just tell people, don't give up. Uh, when one approach isn't working for you, stop, pause, reflect back, reevaluate. doesn't hurt to reach out to colleagues even your coworkers and asking them what's working well that you're currently doing and what, what's not working well and, and maybe try a different approach. So I think reflection here is a big, a big takeaway point. And just know, like Tanya said earlier, like timing is everything. And it's easy as new practitioners to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed coming out in your new job and wanting to establish services. Uh, right away, but it really does take time to get to that point. I would echo everything Marley just said, and that you have to be patient with yourself. Again, going back to me having to learn practically a new specialty, I I would I would tell myself to be patient and to say no more. We we kind of just talked about this with boundaries, but when you're establishing a new, a new site, you know, one thing that I realized was that it was okay to have downtime because I needed to have time to read about some new things or learn about some new things, understand processes, shadow different people, nurses, HCAs, or, you know, other people that I worked with to understand what they did. And so don't feel like you have to fill your time either for the sake of being busy or appearing busy, because there will be plenty of things to fill your time and they will come and you, you know, having open time and free time will also allow you to realize maybe things that you were interested in. I never thought I would be interested in palliative care or pain management. And I discovered that over time. So that's something else to, I guess, as a piece of advice would be to stay curious and, explore the things that are interesting to you and you never know where it might lead you. Thank you all for all of the great advice that you guys have both shared so far. Is there anything else that you would like to share that we have not discussed previously? I have a few random pearls of information that I can share. One would be that establishing a new practice site is a lot of fun. It's, it's unknown. It's exciting. I think there's so much opportunity for creativity. There's often support from other providers and other people that you're working with. So there's this momentum that comes with starting a new practice site. And so I 
you know, kind of as another piece of advice would say to not get so caught up in building, building the role and building the job description that you forget to have fun because it really is a, a really fun opportunity to make, make something new and to dream about things that other people haven't thought about before. Another thing that I would say is to just believe in yourself and believe in your own capabilities because it's really easy, especially if you're in a practice area that you're not as familiar with, to be intimidated and to feel like you don't know as much as everybody else. When I started working in the pain clinic, I realized very quickly that the anesthesiologist I work with knew way more about pain medications than I do as a pharmacist. And so I had to very quickly say, you know, wow, I, I have so much to learn. And even though I felt like I should know more than I did, because I'm a pharmacist who should know these drugs inside and out, I, I recognized that I had a lot to learn, to learn from those people who had a lot more experience and a lot more knowledge than me. But I knew that I had the skills to learn and I knew I had the skills to build relationships and to start something new. And so that was what I, what I trusted in and not just in my knowledge, because there are always new things to learn. I'm sure Marley can attest to that too, since she also works in oncology and it seems like every five minutes there's a new drug, but those are just a couple other things that I would, would add to what we've already said. Yeah, I think those are great, Tanya. I would say a good attitude goes a long way to trying to stay positive throughout the process. And if you're having fun, like Tanya was recommending, then that's a little bit easier to do. So trying not to get discouraged and just keeping that good attitude really helps with the whole process. Being open to change, Tanya mentioned earlier, being open-minded, but being open to change is really important for us as young learners. Because like she said, you don't know what opportunities could be right ahead of you. One other thing my husband and I like to to talk about is understanding before being understood. And I think that that's really important when you go into a new environment is really understanding your environment first before you seek for others to understand you and your role. Because that helps you really design a better game plan of how Uh, to implement your services within that environment. Um, It is more helpful to be an observer first and then joining to implement change. Sometimes uh, we're eager to get involved and problem solve, but we don't fully understand the situation. Again, being an observer for a little while at first before diving in too deep. And then lastly, just taking that time to reflect. I know we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but it's so important in order to improve yourself both personally and professionally. So even if you have to make a calendar invite to make yourself pause to reflect back, that's going to be so something so important in your career. And I guess lastly, just to echo Tanya, um, uh, just have fun with it. This is my third practice site, and, uh, you know, I learn something new every single time I go into it, and I challenge myself uh, to be better and take different approaches every time. So to Tanya's point, it really is kind of like a game in a way. So enjoy it and and really look at it as a bright new horizon and, and a place that you really do get to build what you want out of the service. Well, that is all of the time that we have for today. I want to thank Marley and Tonia for joining us to discuss establishing your own practice site. Find more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, 
leading pharmacy enterprises and teams in practice management on the ASHP website. Thank you for joining us and be sure to subscribe to the at ASHP official podcast. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.